Are you a small business looking to start your own website? Well, I can't help you there. But if you love wrestling and have a torso, head over to Let's Wrestle Apparel. That's letswrestle.ca. They have some of the sweetest, most fashionable wrestling shirts. And on top of that, also, if you're either a sports team or even a business and you're just looking for your own team apparel, they can help you out. They do screen printing, embroidery, direct-to-garment. I can attest I own two Let's Wrestle shirts myself. I own a white shirt with the red logo. It's kind of got like those Supreme vibes. And then I also have a sweet army camo one as well. That is great when I used to sneak up on people and snap German suplex them in the store. Uh, Either way, whatever you're looking for, Let's Wrestle can help you out. That's letswrestle.ca. Now let's start the show. made it guys we made it this is episode two of the going home early podcast i am your host ethan hd this podcast is brought to you every first and 15th of the month and is recorded right here in my own comic book store destiny city comics here in the not as dangerous as it seems city of tacoma washington this podcast is free as well currently we're on spotify and itunes if you do want to support us though by all means, head over to DestinyCityComics.com, or you can check out our Instagram, which is Destiny City Comics. It has tons of comics, comic book stuff. Uh, if you see it, go ahead and shoot me an email, order online. I will personally mail it to your goddamn house or apartment, whichever you have. Um, but yeah, anyways, my guest uh, this episode is the wrestling genius Daniel Makabe who has been blowing up, my God, blowing up these last couple years, and rightfully so. This is a guy who has been busting his ass, I feel like, slightly under the radar, because the Northwest is sometimes a an island unto itself, and then being Canadian on top of that, there's obviously, you know, coming across the border to, to come to the States and wrestle. Um, and the fact that just Western Canada is kind of an island unto itself. It's its own, like, kind of little micro community of wrestling uh so sometimes yeah there it's just hard to branch out but i am happy that there are wrestling companies uh at home and abroad that are giving him the opportunity to showcase his stuff and really let people see what he's about um funny thing about uh about daniel is he visited my shop uh i guess earlier this year before before everything went to hades in a handbasket and we're talking and right next to us is a record store and he looks over and he was like is that taiga and uh taiga for those who don't know which is fair if you don't know uh is the owner of that record store and i guess they knew each other through the music scene because uh, daniel's played in bands over the years and he's toured and traveled in bands and we definitely touched on that in the interview but what a small small world that i would buy a comic book store right next to Taiga, who just happens to know Daniel Makabe from New Westminster, Canada, through the music scene. It was just a very, to me, like a very, it's a small world kind of moment. Uh, but yeah, Daniel's on the show. We're going to talk about his trips to England, to Germany. Uh, my favorite is uh, to Cuba, which was for music, not for wrestling. I don't know if there is wrestling in Cuba. There probably is. Uh, it's probably in a boxing ring. I know there's a lot of countries that have started their own wrestling leagues or independent wrestling, which is rad. And I've noticed, I would say nine out of ten times, it is a, a converted boxing ring or sometimes just a boxing ring. Uh, but it's just very cool that there are people that are very DIY and passionate about pro wrestling all over the world. And we're at a point now where you know these people are just saying, you know what, uh, fuck it, I'm, I'm starting my own thing. And we will figure it out. I know there's a lot of hate on, oh, blah, 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 guys aren't trained and this and that. But the fact that these people have such passion, because like starting a wrestling school or wrestling company or anything in wrestling is not easy or cheap. Uh, wrestling is very hard to make money in. And 
the fact that these people are are so passionate about it it's a very punk rock kind of feel it's very cool i follow a lot of these places on on instagram or on twitter or facebook and it's just cool just seeing them grow and you know like seeing like oh hey i can see like oh they figured out elucia now they're getting gear from there so it's it's very cool to see that um also real quick i just want to thank our other sponsor for the show drink all in or i guess it's all in uh the website is drinkallin.com i drink these all the time if you follow me on instagram facebook twitter or have just talked to me when i'm wandering around town there is a good chance i have a can of all in in my hand uh to me, it's it's what I've been looking for in an energy drink. It's not overly sweet. It doesn't isn't filled with all these weird chemicals and things like that. Uh, it comes in four flavors: uh, berry, citrus, tropical, and grapefruit. Uh, I'm not gonna lie, the grapefruit one might be my sleeper favorite because I popped a Mentos and then drank the grapefruit one, and oh man, game changer! And especially as a vegan, because you're only allowed to eat like four things. Any, any kind of new flavor profile is very, very welcome in my life. Uh, but yeah, drinkallin.com, head over there. Use the promo code EthanHD312, Chicago's area code, and you will receive 25% off your order. Don't say I don't hook you up. God damn it, that is proof right there. Don't say I never did nothing for ya. I don't know what that voice was. Um... That was weird. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I've been trying to get into shape lately. That has been my my own personal project outside of this podcast, outside of the comic book store, outside of just having a happy, healthy marriage. Uh, yeah, getting back into shape. I just recently started again. Six months off. I took six months off from the gym. Uh, a lot of it was just the start of the pandemic. My gym closed for a bit. And then I got very, very disheartened with the idea of they're just not being wrestling because um, I've just always wrestled. You know, when I was a kid, I did backyard wrestling, which I was frowned upon, but whatever. I made it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just something that's always been a part of my life as far as being on the performance side of things and not having that creative outlet, you know, at a time when when things are very, I don't say dark, but, you know, things aren't aren't necessarily as bright as they used to be. And yeah, for a performer, not having that creative outlet of wrestling or even stand-up comedy, our comedy clubs are closed as well, and just kind of stewing in this "what do I, what do I do next" kind of feel. Uh, yeah, I just got very unmotivated. My diet got, was terrible. Uh, I definitely put on the COVID fifteen uh, that everybody apparently has put on. Either that, or they're just shredded. There's no middle ground. Nobody's leaving this the same. You either have a John Morrison eight pack that just wraps around to your back. Or, yeah, you've got, like, some of your shirts have inadvertently become belly shirts. You know, it's very much, very much one or the other. And I'm, you know, very much on that other. You know, got a little little soft, a little doughy. Uh, but, yeah, I guess recently I go back to the gym. The first week, oh, my God, I forgot how much it hurts when you haven't worked out in a while. And me, being an idiot, but also wanting to prove how tough I am, I was like, well, my first day back. I'm training legs, and I got under the squat rack. Got into the squat rack, and put 135 on the bar. Cause again, I'm not trying to cripple myself, but I'm trying to definitely prove a point to myself. And I'm, I'm gonna do three sets of 15. Banged him out, and I could already feel like the blood swelling up in my legs. If you never worked out, it's called the pump, and it's when your muscles are just hard and dense from all of the blood that is rushing to them to help them, you know, with oxygen and nutrients and things like that. But I wasn't done there. I was like, I'm going to get in leg press. I'm going to do like three sets of 20. And so I load up the leg press, and I'm banging out my my three sets of 20. And I can feel like, okay, my legs are getting very, very stiff. Like my quads, the front of my legs. But I was like, I ain't done yet. I got more to do. I got to prove to myself I ain't scared of leg day. So I decided to do 50 walking lunges, just banging them out one after the other. Did a little bit of ab stuff. The next day... My legs hurt probably more than they have ever hurt in my life. And granted, like, there have been days where I've done, like, 1,000 squats. And the pain I experienced the day after and then the following day after that first leg day back was agonizing. I was walking like an old man with the trots. Uh, I wasn't necessarily proud of myself. I was proud that I made it through. 
And then I did two more days. I did like a chest day and like a back day. And then I was done for the week. Like everything hurt. Everything. Um, but now I'm kind of back in the swing of things. Uh, you know, I'm getting more flexible. My strength is coming back. I'm feeling better. Uh, but the big thing, I guess, the kind of the reason I wanted to bring this up in a very roundabout way is I know that this year has been very rough for a lot of people. I completely understand that. Um, I just think don't don't make it rougher on yourself than it needs to be. There's nothing wrong with taking like a me day or just taking time to to decompress and cope. But let's not do things that are are going to be more detrimental or make this year even harder than it already is. There's nothing wrong with taking a mental health day, but maybe taking six months of mental health days, um, you're just not accomplishing things, you know. And and sometimes there's just nothing to accomplish because getting through the day is an accomplishment itself. But um, if you have the motivation or you're just not feeling as motivated, do it. Do a little something, whether it's, you know, something creative like drawing or writing, um, whatever it is. Uh, but I just wanted to touch on that. That was a very, a very important lesson that I've learned these last couple weeks. Um, and now we're about to learn some more things uh, about travel from my good friend Daniel Makabe. Let's go ahead and jump to that interview now. So, uh, yeah, I'm here with Daniel Makabe, wrestling genius Daniel Makabe. Um, yeah, again, thanks for just uh, taking some time out and doing this. Where are you based out of presently? Uh I am just outside of Vancouver, British Columbia, in a little town called New Westminster, which I have uh, I have called home for ooh, 12 years now. I've lived in New Westminster, and uh, I love it here, and I am always sure to rep it whenever I can. Um, and actually, funny enough, there was there was a moment earlier this year that we, we might touch upon when we get to uh, discussions of, of my travels to uh, uh, on, on one of these big trips I was on where just being kind of announced from there kind of caught my ear uh, as just being kind of uh, a neat thing. I, don't know, I love the city. It's not a huge city. There's only, it's like a population of 70,000. Uh, at one point, my goal was to be the most famous person from this city. But um, like Justin Morneau, who was like a pretty famous baseball player for the Minnesota Twins is from here um he's got a bunch of like hitting records and stuff with that franchise so i don't think i'm going to be able to touch him but uh but yeah so i'm just uh, just outside of vancouver it's about 20 20 minutes outside of vancouver in a little town called new westminster i mean it's a nice city it's a real city it's got buildings and stuff it's not like a no 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 it's, like a, big, a, it's a big guy. city yeah. it's a big city and actually truth be told it was the original capital city of british columbia um back in the 1800s until they changed it and now the capital of, of British Columbia is, it's not actually Vancouver. Most people would assume it's Vancouver, but it's Victoria, which is on Vancouver Island. But uh, yeah, New Westminster is very much a real city with infrastructure and character and history and architecture, but it's not particularly large. So yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's a respectable city. It's not like you're like, you're living out in the boonies or like, no, like, out, like Chilliwack or, or something like that. Definitely not. Yes. Cool. Um, yeah. So let's just yeah, move on. So um so we've known each other for what, about five years-ish? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the first time we met. I've certainly known who you were for quite some time, and, and maybe the same is true. Um, I mean, I've definitely to... been aware of you longer than I think we've known each other. Definitely. I'm trying to remember the first show we worked together. Um... Was it the 321, uh, like, G0 tournament thing? It probably was because i don't think i worked any like i worked some shows in oregon with your tag partner and actually he was my tag partner a couple times down there i don't know if you knew that but um but you weren't on those shows um so i think it probably was in like 2018 but we i, I feel like we ran into each other at probably ccw shows maybe before then um and uh yeah i don't know where else but yes, certainly been aware of each other for, for quite some time and uh, professionally familiar with each other for the last two, two years or so. And, uh, and you were a big part, uh, a big help in getting me uh, regular work in Oregon with uh, DOA, which uh, admittedly I uh, reached out to them with the goal of being able to wrestle you. So 
So thank you for that because it's turned into one of my, my regular my regular haunts. So see, that's right. Because yeah, part of the reason I wanted to do that that three two one tournament is because I was initially told you were in it, and then we ended up in different blocks. We were in different blocks because <laughs> wrestling politics. Well, I think it was because me and me and Santiago were both in the tournament, and part of the deal was we couldn't wrestle each other. Yes, for for uh, for for reasons. Uh, well, I think it made the tournament more interesting to split you guys up too, kind of have an outsider in each block. But yeah, but yeah, so because of that, he got he got your block, and I got I got a good block too. I I would complain about my block, but yes, yeah, no, we cool. were we were separated, and uh, and I wrestled. Yeah, it was funny. It was just, I'd already wrestled Mike earlier that year, uh, in three two one, and like I said, I had teamed with Mike a couple times the previous year, so. The, the elusive Ethan match would have to wait for another, you know, six months or so. But Yeah, about that. We finally got it. Yeah, DOA. Um, but yeah, so you've been coming across pretty pretty regularly, right, for like the last couple of years, like across the, the U.S. border? Yeah, I mean, wrestling, it started just kind of three to one as my regular haunt once or twice a month for a couple of years. And then started to branch out a little bit, work a few other promotions in Washington, and then dip down into Oregon. And then, uh, and then, yeah, I mean, I've worked for, I mean, basically every promotion in Washington, save for one or two, maybe at this point. And, uh, and now, yeah, I mean, Seattle is kind of a home away from home for me. It kind of feels like a home, a home I haven't been to in, you know, half a year at this point, but still, (laughs) um, it's, uh, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's near and dear to my heart and, uh, and it's somewhere, I mean, even before that. I was traveling down there quite a bit um, to go to concerts, to go to baseball games. I had friends down there. And so very, very familiar with the city uh, and traveling that, that I-5 corridor. I probably know the exits between Vancouver and Seattle. Like give me an exit number. I can tell you exactly where it is or, or vice versa. So. Yeah. Cause uh, oh, that I-5 corridor, man. Uh, yeah, I remember when we first started wrestling, probably about, probably about the fifth year, it was me and Santiago and our good friend Aaron Bolo, and we would just travel the I-5 corridor. And I would guarantee by year five, uh, we had used every, every gas station bathroom from Vancouver to, like, Sacramento, California. Oh, I like, bet. Like, we have, we have soiled the entire I-5 corridor with our, uh, with our I guess, our, um, our waste product. Sure, sure. I'm glad you went there. I wasn't going to go there. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I will say, and you probably fall into this too, is that you know when you travel a route so frequently, you learn, you know, your specific where you like to stop. You know, which which gas stations have the best selection of junk food or have, uh, you know, one thing I was obsessed with mild, uh, mildly was um, the Dyson Airblade, which is a, a manufacturer of hand dryers. Um, that work that they're far superior to every other hand dryer on the market this seems like a such a minute thing to care about but i i would like specifically want to use bathrooms that have those hand dryers in them because i knew that they they did a fine job of of uh, making your hands dry after you wash them so um yeah i i imagine you're you're similar in that you fall into traps of uh you you know where you like to stop and you kind of have the the minutiae down Oh, absolutely. I, I also, I'm going to cut out that bit about the Dyson Airblade and send that to them and see if I can get them to, to sponsor the podcast. Dyson are big bucks, man. I don't, good luck with that. I don't know. Like, not only do they make those, they make, vac- they make like the best vacuums around. They're like $500 vacuums. Like a Keep whole going. Vacuum. Keep going. This is all, this is all helping me secure that sponsorship. I actually have a, I have a coworker who has two of their vacuums because she was sick of just like having to lug one upstairs. So she's like, I got one upstairs. I got one downstairs. Wow. That is yeah. all right. She's dedicated to the brand, but like, I don't, I have all tile in my house. I don't really have a use for a Dyson vacuum, but like if I could get a Dyson Airblade installed in my home bathroom, that would be amazing. <laughs> I really hope this leads to us being the first podcast sponsored by Dyson Airblades. Pro wrestlers, like everyone, you know, if we could get, I'll put a Dyson logo on my gear. I don't care. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody's got the suplex logo, but who's got the Dyson logo? Well, and that's the suplex, a real sponsorship. Suplex money. logo is, is kind of problematic nowadays. So Dyson, I don't think has ever, 
been sympathetic to to any uh, dicey characters in in pro wrestling. Watch watch me uh, as now that I've said that Dyson's got a, a storied past of being like Nazi sympathizers or something. But um, <laughs> they're but originally still. the Volkswagen of it, the uh, of the vacuum cleaner world. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, um, very familiar with with. <laughs> Where were we? Driving that road up and down up here in the Northwest, the beautiful Northwest. I must say the, the chunk between Seattle and Vancouver, I, I greatly prefer to the chunk between Seattle and Portland. It gets a little dark and less traveled and it's just kind of boring. It's pretty still, don't get me wrong, but at night it, it's, a little, it's a little much. I, whereas maybe it's just because I'm more used to the one between Vancouver and Seattle. I can drive that one in my sleep, so. That's fair, because I feel the opposite. I was like, I would rather go Tacoma to Portland than doing, like, especially on the way back, going from, like, the, the Peace Arch border, going from there to, like, Tacoma feels like endless nothing. And then, like, all of a sudden, there's Seattle. Like, that, that to me is the most agonizing part of wrestling in Canada, is making that, like, two-and-a-half-hour trip back. Yeah. Everything until Seattle just feels like endless darkness at night. Like the during one the day thing, is not so bad, but at no, night it is agony. That's that's interesting. I, I think it just comes down to you know what our habits and and our tendencies, right? Because obviously you know one of those drives is although you do both drives equally too, but I I drive the, that one chunk a lot more than I do the other. The other thing for me is. And I've had days like this where I've driven from Vancouver all not only all the way to Portland, I drove all the way to Salem and back in a day and wrestled, which cool. was like seven hours each way, plus all the time at the match or the show. That that was a long day. I, I could do without days like that in my life at this point, but <laughs> true. Fair enough. Um, do you ever have any like issues getting across the border? Like any weird like Canadian border stories. I feel like you guys get scrutinized coming into America more than like Americans get scrutinized going to Canada. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the way it is with like most customs, right? So like, you know, we treat our own better than we treat the outsiders, the grubby outsiders who want to, you know, support our economies and put money into our infrastructure and yada, yada, yada. We don't actually want you here though. Right. So that's what it says on the Statue of Liberty now, actually. Yeah. Exactly. We recently had it replaced. So, uh, yeah, no, like I never have issues coming home to Canada, and just like I'm sure most Americans don't have issues coming back to America or, um, you know, traveling elsewhere as well. Although I will say the like the most lax customs agents I've ever come across are in Germany, which you would assume like Germ. I mean, I think Germany just has this from an outsider's perspective. You assume everything is going to be very strict and serious and by the book and and what are you doing here and whatever but they could not care less when you're entering that country they, they don't even really want to talk to you they could get away with this like saying as few words as possible and uh they 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 will and and they do so um but uh but entering the states uh yeah i mean i've had issues in the past for sure but nothing nothing too uh horrific um and uh, and I knock on wood, you know, you know I, I've done my share of uh, of traveling in it, and it's worked out okay for me so far. So okay, that's good. Yeah, I think the the only issue I ever had coming into Canada is we were doing a show. Uh, oh God, it was like middle of nowhere for Tim Flowers, and oh, God, I can't think of the name of that stupid town. Um, How close to the is it? Is it? It was in, like a six-hour drive from like the Peace Arch East. Oh, okay, so it might have been like Kelowna. Kelowna, yes. Yeah. And the guy didn't believe that we were going to Kelowna just for a wrestling show. Like, he's like, that is too far. Why is, would anybody that waste is far, their so. time? And so, like, we got pulled in. Like, they searched our car. And then, like, he went through my phone. And, of course, like, I was messaging with the promoter who has, like, a, a wrestling name. Yep. So they're like, who is this person? And, like, what's their real name? So I had to explain. And finally, he, like, pulled up, like, the poster for the show. And he was like, so you're really going to go do this? And I was like, yes, I, I actually am going to do this. And he goes, well, we don't entirely believe you, but our job is to stop drugs, weapons, and child pornography. And clearly you have none of each. 
so we're going to let you go. But next time, just be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, I can't be more honest than we're, I'm going to wrestle in, in Kelowna. Like, I'm, I, I had to tell you guys. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, honestly, it can be luck of the draw. I had an issue years and years ago before I was crossing regularly for wrestling where I got pulled in on just a routine check. They made me fill in a customs declaration form. I had forgotten that I had packed a lunch for the day and put it in my car with me. And I forgot to declare that I had an orange in said lunch. Uh, and of course, it wasn't a Florida orange. I believe it was a Panama orange. Well, that's, and, that's, that's practically eco-terrorism. Well, I mean, it actually is against the rules. And so when they found said orange and then matched it up with my customs declaration card, where I did not mention bringing any fruits or vegetables into the country, uh, that was a big problem for them. And for a solid month, month and a half, every time I crossed the border, I was flagged and was, I wasn't sent in with like the general pop populist line of, of people crossing, you know, to go shopping or visit family or whatever, and, or people with foreign visas or anything along those lines, they all kind of go to one big herd. I was sent to the separate agriculture line, which that exists. And it's quite often barren because how many people are getting pulled in for agriculture reasons. Uh, and I would like automatically go to this line. They'd check my car. I would have no agriculture and uh, they'd send me on my way. And, and every single time this happened, I'd get the same customs agent. It got to the point that she was like, I was crossing to go to concerts every time. And she asked me, like, oh, what band are you going to see this week? All right, well, I'm going to go check your car. Okay, see you in a minute. Like, it was just so funny. All over just a little piddly orange that I'd forgotten about. So, The Valencia Bandit, Daniel Maccabe. Yeah, I, I, think it was a man, I think it was a Mandarin, but that's okay. Oh, yeah, there, there you go. I mean, that, that's, that's what it's really all about. I mean, I've seen yes. Iron Man. I know you don't trust the Mandarin. So that makes sense. Yes. They're just, just doing their due diligence. Uh, but a circle back around, so, so you've been to Germany twice? I've been to Germany twice so far, both in the last year or so. Um, for WXW, who are, uh, I mean, not only the biggest promotion in Germany, but one of the biggest independent promotions in Europe, period. Um, and I was lucky to be a part of their festa. They do these things over there that are called festival weekends, um, where they do, like, and they're both mostly centered around big tournaments, They'll do, you know, pre-shows, they'll do, you know, day shows, post shows. It's like six or seven shows over the course of, of three or four days. And, um, and so I was a part of their World Tag Festival um, last October 2019. Um, and I wasn't in the tournament itself because I'm, I'm not a tag team wrestler. Um, but I was in some of the um, kind of the pre-shows and, and some of the, the side shows. And then this past March... I was a part of their biggest festival weekend of the year, which is called 16 Karat Gold, which is, uh, I mean, it's basically like the the BOLA or the, you know, it's like the top indie tournament in Europe for the year. Uh, and I was lucky enough to be a part of the 16 this year, as well as take part in, in a couple other uh, shows for them, including uh, both times over there, I, I worked um, a show called Ambition, which is a, a day show that consists of, um, it's like a uh, single elimination, eight-man shoot style, um, very realistic style tournament. One, one afternoon, you know, to win the thing, you got to win three matches in the span of about 90 minutes. So. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're, you're putting, in a, putting in a full day's work. Uh, well, do you get any time in, to like see any, any like, sightseeing while you're over there? Very little when I was in Germany, yeah. Um, so WXW is based in a small town called Essen. Um, these big shows are in a town called Oberhausen, which um, the kind of the, the bigger city that it's close to is called is Dusseldorf. Um, there, it's about 20, 30 minutes outside of Dusseldorf, which is, is the bigger city. Um, Oberhausen is a mining town. Um, it's just kind of a working class um, town. Not, uh, it's pretty, but it's, it's very just kind of, you know, it, it would be like the equivalent of like a Midwestern um, blue collar kind of city um to put it in terms you know like like the united states um and so there's not a whole heck of a lot going on there and honestly these shows they keep you so busy with what's going on that you don't really have a ton of time um 
to to kind of break break away. And uh, both times that I went over there, I was also able to um, had some bookings in the UK um, those same trips. And so I, you know, the the first time I went to Germany, I actually flew into Germany on a Thursday, worked a show Thursday night. Friday morning, I flew to England, worked a show Friday night and Saturday afternoon. And then Saturday night, I flew back to Germany and worked three matches on the Sunday afternoon in Germany. That is absolutely like a pro wrestling European vacation. Yeah, it's, I mean, here's the thing. The flight from Dusseldorf to London is like an hour. So it's not the, it's not crazy, but it's still, it's like literally like jet setting, like I'm Ric Flair or something, which I often like to pretend that I am, so. Oh, I think we all do, right? Like that's the, that's the goal, right? Is to be like the limousine. Well, certain, certain, certain elements of him, right? Like I'm not super into like the substance abuse and womanizing but i do like to pretend that i'm the best wrestler in the world and uh and and getting flown flown around in uh first class air, airplanes although it's almost always like coach economy and, and an aisle seat and uh or a middle seat and uh and but still one one can dream well yeah that's the thing too i think that's why wrestling like truly became like kind of a smaller guy's game i feel like it was just cheaper to stick like a smaller guys like into coach Whereas, like, if you have, like, like a big, like, Tony Atlas-looking guy, like, like, you can't stick Tony Atlas, like, in a middle seat and coach. Like, like you have to fly in first class. Like, there's no way around it. Yeah. I, there's, there's, there's a logic to that. Yeah, I, I'd love to. I've never actually flown first class in my entire life. That would be just a dream. I, uh, I've had my share of uncomfortable plane rides, though, in, uh, in small planes. Uh, the first time I actually got flown over to England was for a small promotion. Uh, based in Sheffield in the north of England called Breed and they literally brought me over for a weekend. I, I left Vancouver Friday. I landed there Saturday morning, worked a show Saturday night, was supposed to have a show Sunday afternoon that got canceled unfortunately and then Monday morning flew back to Vancouver and they flew me on uh, just like the cheapest transcontinental charter thing that like was awful uncomfortable seats 10 hours both ways and uh i mean you know from being like stuffed in the back seats of cars after you know bumping around and whatever how how honestly travel is probably worse on our bodies than, than taking bumps is but yeah getting getting crammed in in an uncomfortable charter uh not charter but um coach seat for 10 hours and then and then having to wrestle on the other side of the country or other side of the world let alone country uh, those have been some of the more uh, uh, interesting uh, moments that I've had when it comes to travel. <laughs> so for those, you, you just basically just pack your gear and then and head out. Because you're not going to do like a ton of sightseeing, right? Or is, or is anything like, is anything special you bring when you're going international? Oh, good question. Uh, I mean, if I've got friends, I have friends that I've met through this wacky world. So occasionally I'll bring, you know, gifts or, or presents for them. Uh, like North American junk food quite often. Um, my friend, Eddie, he runs a company called Mechashote, who I will shout out. They do amazing work. Not only do they do my merchandise whenever I'm over there in Europe, but he does his own uh, t-shirt drops and he does cool merchandise in general. He's done scarves for me. He's done beanies. Um, we, we call them toques up here in Canada. Um, oh yeah. That drove me nuts one day listening to uh, it was Randy Myers and somebody and they yeah. were talking about like some new toque, but I didn't want to seem like a nerd and not know. Would not know what a toque is. So I just like kind of nodded along like, oh yeah. And then finally, like I had to like, I think I asked Andy Bird. I was like, what is a toque? And he's like, oh, it's just a beanie. I was like, yeah. oh, all right. This conversation's like super normal now. It is. I don't like the term beanie. Also, toque isn't spelled any way that you would imagine it is. So even if you could have Googled it, you would have been like, what is a T-O-O-K? And it would have been like, took, like, anyways. Um, but yeah, so uh, Mech Show Day, who does amazing work, they do my merch, they do other cool merch, check them out online. Uh, sorry for the cheap plug. And, um, and he always gets me to bring, he really loves peanut butter M&Ms, and they don't have those in England. So... Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, I try to pack 
as bare bones as possible and, and try and squeeze everything into a carry-on. Um, the only exception to that was when I was over for um, this last uh, run of shows where I was in Europe. I was over there for like 12 or 13 days and I had ooh, 10 matches. And so I, I definitely needed to pack a couple sets of gear, merchandise, all sorts of stuff. So I had to pack a little bit heavier for that. Do you prep for anything for like the, uh, I guess the difference it was like outlets. To me, that's always the big one when I travel like internationally. I have like a little bag of like every converter for like, I think like six different countries or something like that. I, I have, so annoyingly enough, Germany and England don't use the same outlets, even though they're both in Europe. Um, so I have got converters for both of those countries. Uh, and other than that, I, I'm, I don't have anything. So once I, I mean, Fingers crossed. I'd love to, to travel elsewhere. I'd love to go to, to Japan. Um, I'd love to go to Mexico. Although I think Mexico probably uses the same that we do. Not, I'm not sure about that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I'm not quite prepared for, for that yet. But fingers crossed, I, I will have to check that off the list at some point. Oh, I'm, I'm definitely sure it's going to happen. I mean, like, just in the last couple of years, like, I feel like not only have you been, like, just everywhere, like, Europe-wise, but, like, all over the States, like, uh, WrestleMania weekend, the New York, New Jersey. Is that your first time? Is that your first or only time being over there? Uh, I mean, it's the first time I'd ever been around for like a WrestleMania weekend uh, of shows. Um, I'd been to the like New York City, New Jersey metro area a couple times for other reasons, um, concerts mostly, <laughs> uh, visiting friends that I have out there. Um, but it was my first time wrestling on on one of those kind of weekend of shows. Um, unfortunately, this weekend or this year's WrestleMania weekend, uh, which was supposed to be in Tampa, uh, I did have some bookings down there, um, but that obviously got canceled for reasons we won't go into. It was COVID. Um, <laughs> oh, that's but, what it was. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I'm groundbreaking. Not only are we trying to get Dyson sponsorships here, we're breaking science facts here on your, your new podcast cast venture ethan so i mean um, gordon's the only wrestler I, I follow on twitter so i'm oh wow i'm just now wow. hearing about this wow. this covid 19 thing we, we might have to keep this take this conversation off air but um <laughs> but um but yeah so new york new jersey it was crazy honestly i i was lucky in that i mean i had four bookings in four days it was a reasonable amount to kind of maintain and keep my sanity all of them were in New Jersey, um, so uh, three of them were in the same venue, so it wasn't a big deal. But I saw people who were just like racing around, going from New Jersey to Manhattan to Brooklyn, and like having to make two, three, four shots in a day, and going crazy. I saw people who missed shots because, like, for anyone who doesn't know, like the greater like New York City area, it, it's relatively small and compact but like traffic there is insane and somewhere that might take you like you know it seems like oh that's a 20 minute drive in any other like metro area in the country it's going to take you two hours <laughs> in in new york city and so um i saw people miss bookings because they just like they they tried to cram too much in and uh, i actually there was a show that i was on i won't say who it was but someone who had a very high profile match on that show, who was coming from another show across town and were running late. They ended up getting pulled over and get, given a speeding ticket because they were racing to try to get this booking and were running so late that the match, which was supposed to go on like fourth or fifth, got pushed all the way back to the main event and they had to call the entire match over cell phones while the person was being driven to the venue and neither person's like first language was the same talking an American and a Japanese guy. That'll probably give it away, but um, I, I, know, okay, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So, um, which is crazy. And then they just went like literally the person who show, showed up, like literally got out of the car and walked straight into gorilla. And then like his music started playing like 90 seconds later and he went to the ring. It was, it was nuts. So thankfully I didn't have any experiences like that. I had a, a, a old time, in New York City. I had a couple of uh, good matches, one in particular against Fred Yehai, which if you haven't seen it, check it out. It's on YouTube or independentwrestling.tv if you subscribe to that service. Um, 
I got to go to a New York Mets game with some friends. Uh, I got to check out some record stores and some cool coffee shops in Manhattan because that's a thing that I'm into. And, uh, and yeah, I was really looking forward to doing it all over again in uh, Tampa this past, um, past April, where I think I had six bookings in five days, which I'm sure I would have been uh, in pieces by the end of. But, um, but yeah, uh, those, those weekends are crazy. And if you've never been to one, uh, I highly recommend it. They're a ton of fun. They're great for networking. And just like, even if you only get one or two bookings, then you can just hang out and watch your friends do cool stuff and have like amazing matches in front of your own eyes. So, um, yeah, those, those weekends are crazy. And, and hopefully, I mean, I don't know about 2021, but, uh, in the future, I'd love to be a part of more, more, uh, big weekends like that for sure. Oh yeah. And the thing too, is like, even if you're only on one or two shows, the other shows are all so good yes. that like, it's just a pleasure to sit there and watch. Um, one thing I've, I noticed about New York, at least from my perspective, it's the only place I've ever been to that is exactly how you imagine it from seeing it like in movies and TV shows. Yeah, that's fair. That's completely fair. It, and at times it almost feels like having an out-of-body experience because it's so like vivid and, and I just feel like it's so well represented in the media. Um, and it's, we spend our entire lives seeing all these television shows and movies, like you said, that take place in here and are shot there. And then you, you actually go there and it's like, oh, this is a real place. I can't believe I'm here and like actually experiencing this. And you're just surrounded by all these people. Like that's just their life. It's not, you know, it's no big biggie to them. And you're just like, hey, that taxi cab nearly ran me over and that bodega owner just screamed at me in another language and whatever, you know, <laughs> like yeah. this is all, this is all real life. It's cool though. I love it. Like I was just uh, like, I, the last time I was there, I was um, like searching for this record store that I had read up on and just walking through the village in New York. And I was just like stumbled upon Electric Lady Studios, which is like one of the most famous recording studios in the world. And just being like, oh, hello. Like, this is just, is this the actual one? Oh, yes, it is. Okay. Like, here we are. <laughs> All right. I'm just going to go about my day as normal. Like, yeah, it feels like going to like a, like the Universal Studios back lot, and you're like, oh, that's where they filmed Back to the Future, and like, oh, that's like the <laughs> car from the Munsters. Like, that's what it feels like. You're like, oh god, like that's the New York Library. Like, I've seen that in Ghostbusters, or like, oh, like you can like look in Times Square and like, oh, I can see where they used to film like TRL. Like, you can see like all of these things, and they're real, and they look exactly the way they're depicted like in media. Big, big, big Carson Daly mark you are. Huge. Yes. Huge. Actually, I didn't start watching until Lala took over. I'm. Uh, I don't. I don't even know who that is. So it never. It didn't actually air here. We didn't. We didn't get MTV. I just. I just. <laughs> what? I pulled a reference out of nowhere. Holy! What? Wow! We, I guess. I guess I just assume that like, mu like there was no like much music request live. That wasn't sure. a. Yeah, but we had we had much music had their own equivalents, which for those listening, much music is the Canadian equivalent of MTV. They also don't show music anymore um much like the american mtv as correct well. well actually it's just called much now and it's a comedy station but um Ooh. but yeah much music yeah much music had their own equivalent but mtv never didn't come up here eventually we did get a, an mtv canada which basically just showed all the various mtv um like reality shows like the hills and stuff but um, oh so you just got it at the worst time oh we got it at, like at the end of the run yeah for sure so but yes, I, I mean, I'm very familiar with a, a lot of the legend of, of MTV because so much of our popular culture is, is influenced by, by the United States. So Makes sense. And then I, I do want to touch on this just in case we run out of time because we're getting close. So you play, you play in a lot of bands. Your band went to Cuba? Yeah. This is a long story. So it's probably, I don't know what, what your, your time limit is for this. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'll try and squeeze this all in as possible. So ah, fuck um, it. it's the internet. It's the internet. We have, we have okay. no time limit. Go okay. for it. Cool. So yes, uh, I, I do play in a couple bands. Um, so what me and um, a bunch of friends did, um, this was in the winter of 2017. Um, we um we did this trip it's i i kind of refer to it as like a music kind of missionary trip we um 
we partnered up with a, a nonprofit in Cuba called Solidarity Rocks, who help to promote like underground punk music in Cuba. And what we basically did is there was nine of us. And between the nine of us, we made up four bands. So there was some overlap, people playing multiple sets a night. I played two sets every night. Um, and we, through fundraising and crowdsourcing and donations, we put together an entire like backline of equipment. We brought a full drum set, as well as all the replacement hardware you would need, cymbals, drum heads, drum sticks, all of the nuts and everything to keep everything in place. We brought multiple amplifiers. I think we brought nine guitars with us. Um, we brought, uh, they specifically requested, hey, if you could bring a Marshall amplifier, that would be like cool as hell. And so we brought a like Marshall half stack with us. It has to be, had to be the loudest amplifier ever on that friggin' island. Um, so we bring all this equipment with us. We managed to finagle a deal with um, with the airlines because we said it was it was like almost like a missionary trip where we didn't have to pay for any of the luggage because we brought all of this all of this stuff with us. And so we flew to Cuba. We did a two week tour all around the island in a church school bus. Uh, that we like loaded to the gills with all of our gear and we were we we're basically located in a, a central location in Cuba in a town called Sancti Spiritus which is a 500 year old city so just to put that in perspective compared to you know the rest of North America <laughs> um, and uh, Cuba is a relatively small country like you can drive it end to end in probably seven or eight hours um, so Sancti Spiritus is relatively central so we would stay there and then we would drive you know anywhere between half an hour to like three hours in various directions and play a show every night or every other night i think we played eight shows while we were there um including the last night we played just outside of havana which is the capital and a beautiful city if you ever have the chance to travel there i highly recommend it um and we would play with the local cuban punk bands and we would provide the backline because one thing there that due to um, their income is obviously not amazing there um, due to just kind of the, the way the system works there and the, the communist system works there. The average Cuban makes like 40 US a month. That's what their salary is. And so even if they had the access to the equipment, it's not something they can really afford there, let alone due to the trade embargo with the United States. Um, it's hard for them to get equipment there. And so we brought all of this gear, all of these guitars, amplifiers, drum hardware, you know, pick strings, drumsticks, all the intangibles, because that's the other thing is, if I break a string t tonight after I get off the phone with you, I can go to the guitar shop tomorrow and I can buy a new pack of strings for, you know, two bucks or whatever. Um, but if they break a string in Cuba, it's not exactly the same thing, right? Um, so we brought all this gear, we played all these amazing shows, a lot of them in like, buildings that were 300 years old or like on these cobblestone streets on these beautiful like seaside promenades at like midnight we're playing this like loud abrasive punk music and the townspeople are just out there and watching it and accepting it because it's entertainment and we came from such a far distance away um, as well as like the local like punk and metal community like really would like come to kind of um, accept us and like certain people were like traveling around the island to see like show like multiple shows that we were playing because all the shows were free that's the other thing and then when everything was said and done we packed all that stuff up and we left it there and we left it for them and so that they can sort of help build their their punk community there and people can play in bands and have access to quality gear and and you know have a form of expression and community and and just you know enjoy the things that we take for granted being here in the western world and getting to do so uh yeah it was easily one of the best experiences of my life and um and yeah no it was, it was super awesome and and yeah when you you mentioned that kind of the centerpiece of the show was going to be about travel mostly through wrestling i, I figured I, I have to tell this story because it's uh 
it's one of my favorites. So yeah, that's awesome, man. I mean, do you stay in touch with any of those anybody over there at all? Or yeah, so there we had two two people who kind of were our, our tour guides who spoke really good English, and uh, they um, them and their partners would would come on the bus with us and drive to every show and help set things up with us. And um, and one of them actually he he's a guitar player, and so every night you know we'd have our bands play, and then every night kind of a group of us would all put together and we played a set of like classic punk and hardcore covers, like 70s, 80s stuff, Ramones, Misfits, Minor Threats. Um, oh, what else did we play? Agnostic Front songs. We played um, Cro-Mag songs and, and he played guitar with us every night. And, uh, and so those guys, um, still keep in touch via via Facebook and via Instagram and uh, they're they're always liking my stuff and, and we're chatting back and forth and you know catching up every so often and uh, and yeah no they they're they're doing about as well as they can during during these times and uh, and yeah we keep in touch as much as we can and and I think they're still putting our gear to, to good use down there so God damn that's awesome man um, yeah I think it's about our, our time. Uh, dude, thank you again for coming on and doing this. Where can people find you on, on social media? Yeah, uh, so if you don't already, follow me on, on Twitter, Instagram. It's at uh, Daniel Makabe, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-A-K-A-B-E. That's my name, Daniel Makabe, except it's not actually, but Daniel is my real name. Um, and yeah, follow me for, I mean, whenever I have upcoming bookings, they'll, they'll be there. And uh, I post uh, music recommendations daily well as just other stuff i don't know i'm not the most active person on social media but i'm pretty active on social media and uh and yeah i appreciate the opportunity and uh anytime i mean i i can talk for days and i i look forward to getting to talk to you again in person and hopefully getting to mix it up with, again with you in a wrestling ring hopefully in 2021 some point because uh yeah i i think we've got uh We've got pretty good chemistry and and i appreciate the opportunity to talk and and have me on in the the second episode of your new podcast venture so that's numero that's dos pre- as they say in cuba that's pretty prestigious i i'd say number two is not bad i'll take it i'll take it i know i'm not darren corbin but or baron corbin but uh or karen corbin is that an actual person i'm sure it is <laughs> probably somewhere probably somewhere in the midwest there's someone named karen corbin but yeah they again yeah. I'm sure we will, I hope, I fingers crossed, we will, we will lock horns again and we will hang out again. And yeah, thank you for doing this, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Once again, I just want to thank Daniel Makabe for doing the episode, for doing the podcast. That is number two in the bag. Uh, find him on Twitter and Instagram at Daniel Macabe. Find me on Twitter at Real HD. I will keep you posted anytime new episodes are going online. You can also find me on Instagram. That's EthanHD312. Thank you again for listening to the podcast. I will see you all next time.